Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. Brandon has given me the signal. Which means that it's time to start the show. It's time to blab, Evan. Yes, to blab. (laughs) 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 Oh, yeah, that that seems to just, like, really degrade the whole thing a little bit. It's like, yeah, listen to these assholes blabbing over here. Who are these assholes doing their goddamn podcast? Bunch of blabbering assholes. (laughs) That's the new name of the podcast. (laughs) Blabbering, yeah. Yeah. Blabbering um, about art and shit. Yeah. By the uh, way, we swear. Yeah. Go with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's adult programming, folks. Yeah. Um, well, I figure if Tony Robbins can swear like a banshee, although he does it for for a purpose. Yeah. Um, but if he can do it, we can do it. We can do it. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, Tony. You gave us permission. <laughs> thanks, <Tony. laughs> thanks, guys. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Uh, that was my Tony Robbins yeah. impression. Apparently, I'd love to get him on the show. Yeah, I don't know if that one would, day. I don't, yeah, maybe we're gonna make it happen. I would love to. We are going to make it happen, Tony. We're gonna make it happen. Yeah, and then we're gonna show you this podcast <laughs> when we decided. <laughs> and then he's like, backs out at the last minute. He's yeah. just like, no, 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 this is no. <laughs> he's like, you guys get your shit together. Um, but speaking of the podcast, yeah, speaking of the podcast, to uh, to get to business, we do have a topic today. It's topical. It's topical day. Uh, and this is an interesting one. I'm not quite sure where this is going to go precisely, but this is something that, you know, usually when we, we are starting to, we're trying to figure out topics, like it's, we kind of start from like, well, what is some stuff that we've been thinking about recently in our own lives? Like stuff that we've been kind of reflecting on or contemplating new ideas that have come to us. Um, and so this kind of fits almost in, into some of that category, like with, a little, it's almost a little combo of a few things, like stuff that yeah. you've been thinking, stuff that I've been thinking, and we kind of smashed it into one. Totally. I'm actually surprised we hadn't come up with this sooner. Well, I don't know. I don't know but if that surprises me. But everything's been kind of uh, <laughs> leading a little bit to this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this one, I'm going to I'm gonna read it because I wrote it down because I was like, ooh, that's, that's really, that's you juicy. You want to get it right. So the title of today's episode, if you hadn't already guessed from clicking on it. Yeah. <laughs> is how we rationalize ourselves away from our true calling. Just let so. that sink in a little. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, like my first reaction to that is just like, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting how these things come about because Evan bought a book, uh, at a used bookstore and years ago, years ago, this was years ago, years ago. And there was all these other options and this one, for whatever reason, stood out to you. And he was just reading little bits of it to me, uh, before this talk. And we were like, Oh yeah, that's good. Oh, that's another good one. You know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, also like for myself, one of the things that, that I'm, you know, I'm doing this thing uh, right now, fit fall where I'm basically no sugar, no bread, no dairy, cutting out these things from my diet, but basically replacing them with other things. And last night I was really hungry and I was standing outside of a pizza joint on main street thinking 
man, I'd really like a slice of pepperoni. And I had all these rationalizations come up about, oh man, you've been so good all month. You know, you've already lost like, you know, eight or 10 pounds. You know, you're, you're, you're looking great. You, you deserve some pizza. All this rationalization. Oh, it's the quickest thing you can get right now. It's the least expensive, blah, 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 yeah. blah. Right. And so anyway, I don't think that's too much different than, than the big things, you know, the little things we rationalize, we, we do it with the big things too. Like, Oh, I don't have time to, to write today because you know, I worked all day or blah, blah, blah. I, I need to spend time with the girlfriend, the kids, the wife, the husband, the whatever. Not that those aren't important things. Right. But they're just <laughs> rationalizations in which we justify yeah. not doing things that are important to us, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And I mean, I think a lot of that comes down to, to our fears you know, like a lot of times, like we use these rationalizations because we're actually, we're actually really afraid to do this thing that we want to do. You're saying I'm afraid? I'm saying you're, I'm saying you're afraid of the pizza (laughs) or no, you're afraid of, I don't know. There's something though. There's something, right? I, I think that fear is, is usually, that's one of the big culprits when it gets down to why you're not doing something that you feel called called to doing hence our, our title, you know, our, well, yeah. our true callings. I actually agree with you. I, I, I do think everything, when you boil it right down, it all comes down to fear. Even if, even if it's the fear of feeling uh, discomfort, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think, uh, comfort's overrated. Yeah, <laughs> it is overrated. Although, you know, you can, you can be comfortable, but I think sometimes comfort's a great shield for, uh, what we really feel is this, this fear that's yeah. deep down. And I think that, you know, you know, I don't think every moment it's about going, Oh, I must be scared, but I do agree with you. I think deep down, um, the idea of, uh, you know, just for example, getting up in the morning, you know, uh, wake up, wake up early, say my alarm goes off at 5am and I didn't fall asleep too early the night or too early the night before. So, you know, I'm like, man, I only got a few hours of sleep and I said I would get up at five, but then I'm going to be all tired. So then the fear is really, I'm going to be all tired throughout the day. Although it doesn't really, I don't like look at it and be like, Oh, I'm scared. But really the, the justification, the rationalization is based out of some sort of fear of like, Oh, well I'll sleep in because then I won't be tired later in the day, but that's all kind of bullshit. Yeah. 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 So as far as this topic goes with like our true callings Yes. and, um, yeah. It's like, it's ra- like, there's nothing wrong. Like, like, I don't want to, to vilify this word of rationalization. I think rationalization is an extraordinary, powerful tool. It's, it's an extraordinary thing that we have learned as human beings to do. In fact, that's, that's what we're doing right now. Um, it's, but rationalizing is, is like such a flexible tool. Like it can be used it can be used for so many things. Like you can rationalize yourself into doing something great and you can rationalize yourself into doing something that's not great. Yeah. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, who it, it comes down to whether you're fooling yourself or you're, you're doing something that's, that goes against your integrity, that goes against your own sense of, of values. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a tool of perception. I mean, it's like a knife, you know, you can use the knife to cut open your, your, your food or cut your food, or you could use it to cut yourself or hurt someone else with. And, you know, um, it's like anything, uh, I think with rationalization, sometimes 
you know, we, we rationalize for the betterment of our goals. And sometimes we rationalize, rationalize ourselves out of it. And I think what we're really going to try to venture into today, which by the way, we don't have all the answers. I hate to break it to you. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, we're going to try to figure out where do we rationalize ourselves out of the thing that is our true calling, you know, because I think sometimes we've all, well, that's turning the knife against ourselves. Yeah. Turn the stop. How do we stop turning the knife against ourselves? Essentially. Yeah. 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 And how are we using rationalization to do that? So, and for us, like, I don't know, let's, let's go, let's go right into, cause you brought something up before we started recording and sure. it, it was interesting that you brought it up because it's something that had crossed my mind just the other day as well, which was, you know, in terms like we, we come on here and we, and we have these conversations and we talk about art and the creative process and, and we are very much engaged in these things in, in a lot of different ways. Right. And, but for us, like, I think we can still acknowledge that we have projects. We have things like we have movies and films that we want to make scripts that we want to write, um, performances that we want to give. And I'm just like, geez, you know, like I, I've, been a little bit stagnant. I, I've haven't really been pursuing these things. And, and there is definitely a lot of rationalization that I've been using to, to say it's like, Oh, well, you know, I've been so busy with doing this instead. I've been focusing on this and whatever. And it's, and, Oh, well, it's going to take so much work if we're going to make you know, to produce this, like it's going to be so time consuming and it's going to, you know, I'm going to have to sacrifice all of these other things. And, and, you know, it's like, these are all like, they're not, they're not unfounded. Like there's, they're, they're not utter bullshit, but it comes down to, do you, is this a priority or is it not? And if it isn't, then let it go and stop worrying about it. But if it is, then, then act on it. Like, like if you really love this thing, then, then find a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, you bring up a good point. I mean, you know, I think rationalization is an interesting thing because it comes from the logic part of your brain and it's, uh, it justifies. And I think, um, justification and rationalization, all this stuff is really good sometimes for motivating you to, um, do something like, for example, um, you know, I wake up in the morning, it's 5am when I get up on an early day or whatever. I mean, I don't always get up at 5am, let's just be honest, but I do. And, uh, so I get up at 5am and I think, man, you know, I'd really like to sleep. I really like to sleep in right now. It's beds real comfortable, whatever. And then I might have a rationalization of going, you know what, if I ran right now or I write right now and I get that kind of out of the way for the day, I don't have to do it later. Yeah. So, you know what, I think I'm going to get up and I'm going to do that. And then, and then I get up and I go, well, you know, I could have a, I could have a shower to wake myself up, but I'll be like, well, you know what, maybe go for a run. You're going to be sweaty right now. If it's a run day, right? You're going to be sweaty. So go for a run, get yourself moving, do your run. Uh, you know, and, um, and then hop in the shower afterwards, wash yourself off. Ah, it's cold out. It's raining, whatever. Okay. Well, 
you know what you could do is you could put on some music, you know, put on some music to make it a little more comfortable, you know, so it's not so whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you got that nice new rain jacket, you know, put that on, try it out, see how it works. You know, and so I'm rationalizing my way through this decision making, right? Yeah. And this is all happening instantaneously. It's not like I'm sitting there pondering the stars, you know what I mean? Yeah. But we do this stuff like they're going off, right? And so there's, it can also work in the same way. So now I've rationalized my way into doing something that's really good. I've made sense of it for myself, which is great, but I can also just as easily and probably more easily rationalize myself into staying into bed that morning. So, um, you know, and turning my alarm back an hour or two or whatever. Um, so, you know, ultimately it comes down to, I don't think either is, 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 uh, they're, where they're both using rationalization, but ultimately it comes down. What do I, what's really important to me? Like the title of our thing, what's my true calling? You know, is my true calling to, you know, is, is sleep really helping my true calling or is getting up and writing and going for the run helping my true calling? And that's an inner honesty thing for me ultimately, I guess. And, you know, so when, when I think when, every time we rationalize ourselves away from something we truly want, we start to create a crack. We start to create kind of a lie in ourselves. you know, like, uh, like this isn't who I want to be, but so now I have to kind of pretend that I'm not, I'm, I'm like, if I'm the guy who sleeps in, I'm the guy who sleeps in, or am I the guy who gets up at 5am and goes for the run and does his writing right away? Like what guy do I want to be in my life? Mm-hmm. Right. And I think, um, rationalization without being guided justifications without being guided by greater moral, ethical kind of mindful value yeah. or purpose, it, it can easily be turned against you. And then all of a sudden, you know, if you're using it at random, who knows what you're going to do. Yeah. And I mean, cause it, it really is like the more we're talking about this, the more I realize like it, it's really something that you can use to, you can really wield. Although I think that the ego, which is like, can be this thing that's just operating on autopilot. And if you, again, it's like, if you don't, if you don't call into question these things, again, why I think it's important where we, we look at some of the thoughts and where they're coming from and whether we actually value some of the thoughts that we ourselves are thinking. Yes. Um, because like, you know, it's, especially when it comes to these negative things, things that tell us, no, don't go and do this. Don't go forth. And especially when it comes to the things that you, that you love and the things that you're passionate about. I mean, in terms of, you know, walking out into busy traffic. Yeah. You know, don't go and do that. But I mean, we're not talking about that. We're talking about, you know, as artists, you know, learn doing that monologue, painting, you know, that piece, you know, writing that song, you know, whatever it is, like we're, we're talking about these things that, that, that give us life and vitality, like, you know, deep, deep in ourselves. Right. Um, and how we listen to this, this voice that can just rationalize us away from there. I mean, let, let's be realistic for many artists, like you're struggling uh, very often to, to make ends meet, you know, like you're, you're barely keeping, you know, a roof over your head and, you know, food like in the fridge and on the table or whatever. And, and it, it can be difficult, you know, you're working another job while you're trying to make this thing happen. And, you know, this isn't about being hard on yourself and, and being rigid and militant with yourself, but it is about really getting in touch with, with what it is that you want to be doing in your life, Mm -hmm. you know, like really establishing that, that connection, 
right? And the, and the ego is an absolute masterful user of rationalization. Yeah. To, to like it, to just be like, Oh, I know. Like we like, just sit down on the couch. Like you've, you know, like you've, you've done enough. You need to just take this day off. And I, and again, I'm not saying that people shouldn't give themselves a day off. It's important to give yourself some rest and, and whatever, but you know, I don't have any one answer for something like this, but it's just about, I think just being a lot more mindful the way that we are, we are rationalizing the things we do and don't do. Yeah. I think there's, I don't think there is, um, an easy cut and dry answer to what thing you should do. Um, you know, uh, which is great. I I think that those things are important. It's important for us to have these complexities, these things that, that you can't just pin it down and, and say, yeah, that's just the way it is. I mean, that's, those are the things that I think make us, make us richer and, and give us depth. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if it was, if it was a cut and dry, black and white, simple thing, we would all just do, we would either do the right thing or we do the wrong thing. And then the person who did the right thing enough would succeed. But, and I, and I, and I know that there's, you know, self-help gurus out there who are like, this is why you do it. You know, you, you get up every morning and you work hard and you do this. And, um, you know, practical, yes, it, to some degree true, you show up consistently, persistently and do something. Yes, you will get results. And I think that's good. But at the same time, if you force yourself through life and that's all you ever do, yeah. I, I, I personally have experienced and I've seen in others that you will probably hit a breaking point of either burnout or, you know, um, you know, the lack of fulfillment, because, um, you know, if you're doing something long enough with the, without purpose, without reason for, for, you know, because this is what I was told to do, you know, eventually the, the emptiness of that task I think is, is going to consume, you know, Mm -hmm. you're, you're going to start to feel like, Hey, like, why am I doing this stuff? You know what I mean? And why um, am I so unhappy? <laughs> yeah. Why am I so unhappy? Why am I so unfulfilled? You know, and I, you're saying something else and I just, I want to make sure I get this out before we move on too much, but you're saying the ego and how the ego helps, uh, rationalizations happen. And I think that's absolutely true. Cause I've seen myself do it where, you know, I, I spent a lot of my life not feeling good enough, you know? And, um, you know, no matter how much people said, Oh, you're great at this, or, you know, you're more than good enough. It's not about that. I had this, uh, you know, uh, underlying <laughs> belief. What? So it was like, as just as you're saying that, like, I just, I just had like, like, oh yeah, I can just hear your ego now. Like, just, just like, oh, they don't mean it. You know, they're just <laughs> yes. saying that they have to say that. That's they're my the friends. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. They were, it, and that's how the ego rationalizes. It does. It shit. rationalizes away the compliment and it rationalizes out like, well, there's no point. I mean, you're not good enough anyway. You're never really going to make it. So like, why would you even bother doing this thing? You know what? Watch some television, you know, have a nap, do this thing because you know what? There's no point. Like, why would you put yourself through such pain and turmoil and whatever? And it's like, you know, and, and the, and the ego works in all this crazy way. And, and, and I think what happens, and I, I don't know for sure, but I, th- I think what that happens is the ego latches onto a belief and then it uses that belief to fuel many, many other justifications. Yeah. Cause this whole, like this whole thing, like once I let go of not being good enough, once I let go of that belief and I said, you know what, that is bullshit because not good enough compared to what? Like, like, 
like, and can my good enough, someone else looks at me and they go, man, I wish I was him. I wish I could do and be in and, and stand in his shoes. Meanwhile, I'm looking at someone else and I'm going, I wish I could be in her shoes. I wish for, I could just live that life, you know? And so not good enough is this made up relative bullshit idea. And once I let go of that belief, this ego couldn't rationalize justifications I was doing anymore. Yeah. And all of a sudden I had to start showing up for myself or my ego had to make up a new one. Yeah. Which it does do. Which it does. It yeah. does do. I find that, that it does like for each sort of like, and, and this is, this is a funny sort of discovery that I've been having is that like, you know, like with each sort of new like transition that I I've made, like as I've been changing the things that I, that I believe, like changing my perceptions on things and it's jarring at first. And the ego doesn't like that. It, it resists against that. And it's using its, its logic or whatever, and its rationalization to try and fight against it. But eventually, you know, with persistence, you, you begin to adopt a new way of, of seeing things and looking for things. And usually the reason is because that new way is a lot more peaceful mm-hmm. and a lot more joyful and it helps you to accomplish the things that you, that you really want totally right. Your true calling type of stuff. It's yeah. like, Oh, this is bringing me further there. And once you've, once you've come up against that resistance enough <clears throat> and now it's not a thing anymore and you've, and you've adopted this new belief, the ego suddenly like starts to reconfigure with your new beliefs, how it can, how it can work against you again. Right. right? And it's, and it's, it's kind of a wonderful thing because the ego in a lot of ways, it helps us on our evolution. Yeah. Right. It, it really helps, uh, us come up against ourselves and, and, and challenge ourselves and test ourselves and, and really sort of temper our minds and our, and our spirits, if you will, like in, in terms of our direction. Cause otherwise if we were met with no resistance whatsoever, I mean, it, we would never really learn very much, right. Mm -hmm. Or at least the things we learned wouldn't have very much meaning to us. Right. So, you know, it's interesting, like the ego, um, the way that, the way that I identify it now is that the ego is essentially a label. Like when I say I'm Brandon Colby cook, this is who I am. This is what I'm like. This is the person that I am. I'm this kind of person, blah, blah, blah. That's all my ego because my ego wants to wants to take me and make me separate. It wants to make me different than everybody else. And it wants me to feel, you know, it's basically striving for the goal, at least for me, I wouldn't say for everybody, but for me, my ego is fueled a lot by feeling special, feeling important, feeling valid or whatever. Um, and that's all based out of an insecurity. It's fine, whatever. But everyone's ego is fueled out of different reasons. We start to see, Hey, I look different than this person. I, I, I behave different than this person, but the ego is a great tool. This is the thing. Like so many people will slam the ego and we'll slam it a lot. Yeah. But the ego is a tool. Cause if you think about a science experiment or something, right? If you know, the self, like the self, the idea of the self is that we, I am me and, and I experience my life through me, but I'm like you, because when you feel, um, hurt, you know, and I understand how you feel hurt. I can relate and empathize and start to try to understand how you feel, which kind of makes us the same in a way, because I get where you're coming from, which is where the self kind of comes in. But the ego is really great because the ego can take a person and we can extract ourselves from the experiment of humanity. We can kind of go, well, this is how I look as an individual. 
But when we start to over-identify with how we look as an individual, with how we appear to be even to ourselves, then we start to confuse ourselves with the fact that, hey, like, I'm kind of the same as this person, you know? Yeah. I, I, I had a conversation with a friend who's leaving town, and we were, we were just talking about a few things, uh, and, and we actually were, were ta- and, and she and I were talking about how there's certain similarities we have as people. Like there's certain things we're noticing that overlap and how we see certain things in each other, which is really interesting because we're entirely different people, but this is kind of where the ego drops, where you start to see yourself in another person and you start to see, Hey, wait a minute. We're not so different after all, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and, and so then there becomes a really neat thing because that's kind of this empathy and this kind of understanding of each other. Um, but the ego wants me to go, no, like you guys are different. You're not the same person. Right. Yeah. And so the, t- it's a good tool, sometimes misused. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, w- it, yeah. When you let it run the show, yes. it's a, it's a highly destructive thing. Yeah. Uh, but w- with the right sort of like when you have the right view on it or when you start to, to understand it in a certain way, it does, be- it can, it can help it can aid you in, in learning. Um, it, it provides almost like a, a very sort of worthy and cunning adversary that helps you to sort of transcend right to the next sort of stage in your life. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it really, it really does. Like it, it is so beneficial in that way. And I think that's the best way to let it go. Otherwise, if you let it run the show, like it, it has this, this pattern, this way that it likes to work and control and run and run things yeah. that, that is, is just <clears throat> a nightmarish really. Right. Um, you know, like it's, it's this thing that wants you to be special and unique and different and tries to identify itself in a certain way and display that in a certain way to everyone else to be like, look how amazing and special I am. And again, even if, if anyone says like, yeah, you, you're really great and amazing. It's the same thing. It's just like, uh, yeah, I don't like who, who are they? They don't even know what they're talking about. Right. (laughs) And that's kind of the cycle. It it, it continues to go on. It's like, it wants this thing, it gets it, but it's still, it's, it doesn't even believe it. It it can rationalize why it's not enough. You know, it can even, yeah. it, it can like something right now. Like if you, if you take uh, a person and you go, the what's ego like, is king of not enough. Oh, totally. Cause there's something right now you could have, if you could have it right now, you'd be over the moon. You'd just be so happy if you had it. What's so funny about the ego is when you actually get this thing, the ego will, okay, the ego will basically, once you get it, will kind of be like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, great. And then what it'll do is go, but now, now you need this. <laughs> <laughs> I wish everyone could see the look on your face that just happened right now. That was perfect. Yeah, but it's basically, you know, it's the funny thing, right? Because it kind of keeps promising you that this is the next milestone. Just get to this milestone, everything will be pretty good. But don't, you know, but when when you start to like think too far ahead, the ego will do this thing is like like it will it it has this amazing thing of like kind of getting you to self-identify falsely to such a degree that you will talk yourself out of your true calling, you know, because it will get you to be like, it'll make the thing more important than the purpose. I was sharing this before the podcast. I was saying like, when I was a kid, 
I used to play this game with my friend Robbie. We used to, it was called it Mac and Joe, a silly game. But we'd run around with our cap guns and pretend to shoot bad guys. And, you know, uh, my parents, uh, you know, we had a camper, we had a boat or whatever that was parked on our little property. And so we'd hop in the boat that was on a trailer. It wasn't in water. Yeah. And we'd hop and we'd pretend we were driving. We'd be shooting at them. We'd be making up the story kind of on the fly a lot of the time. And uh, anyway, uh, you know, we were kind of both inspired by that show, uh, Miami Vice or whatever. And I remember thinking like, yeah, when I'm older, I want to, I want to be on that show. Yeah. It's funny though, because when I was a kid and I was doing that with my, with my friend, I was never thinking about, oh, I need to make this amount of money. I need to, you know, and then I'll be popular because I'm on this show. I was never thinking about any of that stuff. I was literally thinking about that time. And I know this to be true about, I just wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to experience that. I wanted to be a part of that story yes. and, and play those characters. And you know, I was doing it young enough where I started to think, well, maybe that was my true calling because in, 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 at least in an aspect, because I wanted to, to be a part of that. Now I'm older and I can, you know, I can go out and I can make a movie. I, I have the means, I have the capability. I know the people, I have the experience yet sometimes, well, often too often I don't. And so I go, well, that's, that's the ego. Cause the ego goes, well, you need this budget and you need to have this actor and you need to have this person. And it's like, when I was a kid, it was, there was no excuses. Basically we didn't even need cap guns, but we had them and that was a bonus. And so we went out and we did the thing and we, we always just used what we had. You know, we had, the boat was available. If the boat wasn't available, then we, we used something else. You know what I mean? I remember being over at one of my other friend's houses and his, uh, his dad had a bike that was just a motorcycle. So we used the motorcycle as a part of like the story and we just acted it out. And I think the thing is, is that as we get older, we develop more of an ego. We, I, we, we, we over identify more with who we think we are and it takes us away from the things we did when we were children. Yeah. Right. And I mean, the initial thing we were thinking of calling this was how you, how we rationalize ourselves away from our, our inner child, our inner yeah. child, which is kind of our true calling in a lot of ways. I yeah, think. no, I mean, and, and we got in, this was sort of like, uh, part of, part of how, like, I guess my contribution into how we came up with this, the, like that half of the topic. Yeah. Um, cause we already referred to the, to the book. I don't think we actually said the title, but I've talked about this on past podcasts. Why don't you mention the title? I, I'm the, going yeah. to right now, sir. Sweet. It's care of the soul by Thomas Moore. Um, and, and the guy is just, he's super fascinating, has an in like a, a an incredible perspective on sort of the mind and, and the human experience and stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I just finished reading this like earlier today and, and he's talking about the sort of our, our sense of, of our inner child, the child that's in, that's in all of us and, and how we suppress that, that in us, you know, we say like, Oh, I want to grow out of this. I, you know, I'm, I'm too old for this shit. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, and, you know, how we, how we judge ourselves and criticize ourselves for our immaturity or, you know, yeah, just our, our childish thoughts and feelings. And it's like, but that's where so much of, of our gold is, you know, that's where like so much of the, of our true calling, the purity of, of the things that we aspire for live. Hmm is, is within that inner child. And, and with that, um, as Thomas Moore argues, is that it's like, it, it comes with these feelings of inadequacy mm-hmm. and of sometimes, um, stagnancy and, and whatever, like it, 
there's all these things that come associated with it, but that in fact, there are benefits to those feelings and to being able to go into that, you know, and, and which, which feelings of, of feeling stagnant and, and, uh, feeling inadequate. Um, because that, that is, that is very much a childlike thing. If you, if you can go back into, you know, when you were a kid, it's like, yeah, we were, you're free in a certain kind of way, but you're definitely not in a lot of other ways, you know, like you're looking at, at adults and the things that they get to do. I mean, they run the show. Yeah. Right. When you're a kid, but at the same time, you have all kinds of these other freedoms that, you know, you kind of end up unfortunately growing out of a lot of them. And we begin to have these criticisms. Oh man, I'm acting like a child. Right. Or whatever. It's like, well, that's not necessarily such a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that's so interesting. You bring that up because I mean, that's true. I remember being a kid in actually, I remember being in preschool and I remember they wouldn't like, obviously we were in preschool. I was four years old. They would never let a preschooler hold a knife. That was like uh, just, you weren't even allowed right. to touch one, you know, like for the most part, at least, uh, you know, where I grew up, maybe if you're in like, you know, a small town, yeah, your parents no, are I, a little more. Right? I vaguely remember stuff about knives and not being able to yeah, not sure. Allowed Dangerous to hold things, right? Stuff. Whatever, yeah. you know, you, people are parents are, and, and, you know, teachers and stuff, whatever, they're looking out for you. But I remember thinking, man, like they get to do that and I don't get to do that. And I, and I do remember and recall like being like, yeah, one day I will be able to do what they get to do. I'll be able to drive. I'll be able to, 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 you know, whatever, go where I want to go, grab what I want to grab, whatever. Um, but at the same time, there's a really interesting thing for me as a kid. I used to have these action figures. Um, I used to carry, I used to bring them wherever, you know, wherever I was. And I remember one day my, my parents had a boat, right. And they used to like to take us out every now and then. And I was the youngest, my brothers were older off doing their thing, but I was kind of often just on my own doing my own thing. Yeah. Remember one day, I don't know why I remember this so well. It kind of pertains to what you're talking about, but um, I was down there in the basement or in my room or something. I was playing my action figures and I had this whole story like figured out. Right. And, and I'm acting the characters out and they're doing all this stuff. And my parents come down and they're like, Hey, we're going on the boat today. And I'm like, no, I don't want to go on the boat. Like all I wanted to do was stay there and finish telling my story. And I had an environment set up. Right. So like I wanted to do that. And then like, obviously they trump that. They're like, no, you're coming. So I'll bring my toys with me. I go on the boat. Now we're in the now I'm in like the hull of the boat or whatever down below. Yeah. Everyone's outside. We arrive wherever we are. Meanwhile, this whole trip we've been doing, I've been playing with my action figures, but down in the hull of the boat. Right. Yeah. And so I've created this other environment, which is wonderful. And they're like, okay, we're going out. We're going to go do this thing. And I'm like, no, I want to stay in the boat. <laughs> and so then they bring me out and then we're at this camp or like a, not a camp, but like some park. And I found this rock ledge, right? It's a cliff ledge, but it was like great environment. Yeah. So I start playing with my toys on this environment, but that was kind of how I was as a kid. It didn't like, I never had control over a lot of stuff, obviously, but I always made the most of the environment I had. Yeah. And I think that I don't think that that's unlike a lot of other children. I think what we do is we kids, we tend to want to occupy ourselves to have fun, to do something. And if we never, like when I was a kid, I never had like a screen in front of me a lot of the time. So I wasn't able to occupy myself with that. So action figures were my thing. But like now as an adult, take away your, like we talked about this in the last podcast, take away your TV, take away a lot of stuff. 
what are you going to start doing? And I think that has a lot to do with your true calling. Oh yeah. Right. When you take away all these distractions, just take away the TV. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe now in today's age, take away like the your iPad, iPad or something and, and, as well. And put your phone away. Yeah. You know, put, put the screens away and, uh, maybe like, yeah, just, set yourself a rule where it's like yeah. after like, after like seven o'clock at night, yeah. the phone goes away yeah, or yeah, something. something. No right. TV and the phone goes away and whatever and just see what for happens. A, a period of time, you know, yeah. just so you can see, because that might give you some, you know, some, uh, some idea of how you are, you know? And I think, um, what's interesting is we, as we become older, I think part of the way we, we get ourselves away from our true calling is we start to distract ourselves from what we actually want to do. Yeah. You know, like, uh, writing, for example, Um, you know, for me, one of the things that I would do is I just would get myself away from my place. I would go to a cafe, anything, because then I I didn't have any distractions around me or the comforts around you, whatever it was. Right. And I think like, you know, when I was creating stuff as a kid with action figures, that was my pen and paper. I didn't, I I didn't have the necessarily the ability to write or, or the know how to do that, but I had action figures and I had locations. And so that was something that I could work with. It was my, that was my paintbrush and my, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? My, um, uh, your canvas canvas. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever location I was in was my canvas. The, The action figures were my paintbrush and then what my imagination could do. And I think, um, I think that we all have that capacity, but we constantly numb ourselves out and distract ourselves from these types of expressions. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I like, yeah, I used to play with action figures too. I think I always loved doing like, I, I do always remember loving make believe. Right. Like that was, that was my favorite thing. In fact, I even have a memory of being little and, and having, having some friends. Cause I was just like, Oh, let's play. Cause I love to play. Um, I love to play karate kid, which I don't even necessarily know how you play karate kid, but we sure as shit found a way to play karate kid. Um, and it was like, I like, I remember friends just being like, being like, no, like we always like, we always pretend to like do this stuff and whatever. And I was just like, no, it's great, man. Like, like we just invent like a a circumstance and there's like, there's drama and there's adversaries and we kick their ass and like, (laughs) right. It's awesome. It's fun. Especially if someone's got a tree house or something, you know, like you just have a blast. Right. And, um, and at some point along the way, you lose that and, and then it becomes something serious, but you know, then acting kind of stepped in. It's like, Oh wow, this is like a thing. Well then acting becomes an, an, an acceptable, somewhat acceptable outlet, you know, for you to express yourself. Yeah. Right. And then we take it so seriously yes. all of a sudden it's just like, it becomes so serious. And then the way that you do it becomes so rationalized. It's like, okay, well, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna break this down. We're gonna make this sound real, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like really like intelligent and we're going to show how intelligent this is and yeah. blah, 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 blah. And, and it's, it's still all ego stuff. Not that, not that acting or sort of make-believe doesn't actually take on a more complex evolved form. Cause it absolutely does yeah. from like when you were a kid. I mean, kids do have an incredible and extraordinary ability to just take something on Mm -hmm. and go with it. I know Al Pacino had a story about one of his young kids when, um, 
before he started filming Scent of a Woman, where he played the blind veteran. Yeah. And he and he and he was trying to figure out how to play a blind person, which seems kind of strange to me because he's Al Pacino. I'm like, I don't know. You see him like. <laughs> I'll you seem you, blind. You see it. Hell, you see it. Like you should just know how to do that. Like, it seems like that should be a simple thing for you to learn. But he was, I guess he was maybe having some trouble with it. Yeah. And he just asked his kid, he's just like, he's like, Hey, like, what's a blind person like? Or whatever. Just like, just dove into it. Just like, mm. and he said he learned more from like watching his kid, like doing make believe as a, as a blind person than from like whatever, anything else that he'd done up to that point. Yeah. And, uh, so it's like kids do have an an extraordinary ability, though. I think that as we get older and and we do start to develop a, a greater sense of the world and, and a, a certain kind of an intelligence, we, we can bring more depth to it and we can bring, bring, we can just bring more to it. Mm -hmm. Um, but oftentimes it does, it comes at the expense of, of, I don't know, that, that sense of, of freedom, that Mm -hmm. sense of possibility, you know, like we, as adults, we start to feel like there's this right way of doing things, you know, especially in, in art, you know, it's like, we're taught that there's a right answer that gets ingrained in us, that there's a right answer for how to do things. Mm -hmm. And then it doesn't really translate into the artistic mediums. Um, you know, there's, there's paths, there are approaches, there are methods. Um, but none of them are necessarily, are necessarily right or true at any given moment, depending on, on what's happening. Right. Um, so it's, it's, it, it, we can lose that sort of sense of freedom and play as we get older and in pursuit of trying to do something right. And I think that still does tie into, into how we rationalize things too. Right. You know, and it's interesting, like, you know, growing up from a, from a being a child to being an adult, I think what ends up happening is you, you are going less just for the experience and you're starting to figure out how to function in the reality of the world, which, um, for a kid, they don't have as much interaction with, you know, the cause and effect of what makes the world turn and how things kind of function. So they get that freedom of play. And I think as we get older, we have to, well, to some degree, we have to begin to interact with the world more as it is. And, you know, and I think that's what sometimes can shut down our imagination. But I think like what you and I are kind of trying to unlock with these discussions, at least, is well, how do we, now that we're aware, like now, like if you're a functioning adult, you have a job, you figured out how to pay the bills and, and put a roof over your head and have some food and have some friends and whatever. I mean, you got the basics down, you got whatever down, but how do we re-engage with this imagination, this sense of, you know, exploration and this sense of joy and fun, um, that we really want, which is our calling. And I think as an adult, it becomes about really two things. And I really think this is our only job as adults is we have to figure out how to experience life in a way that makes sense to us. And we have to figure out how to offer some type of service or value back to the world. And that's our agreement so Mm. that we can all function together. And it makes sense that we're together and not all separate doing our own thing. 
but like people collect in a theater because they agreed that there'd be enough value at this, uh, you know, play or movie or whatever art show or, or, um, you know, music show or whatever it might be, um, concert. And, and we've all collected and we've agreed that we're going to get the value that we want. We're willing to pay the money to get the value. And the, the artist or performer's job or whatever you want to call them, their job is to deliver that value so that we all feel satisfied. And, and that's part of our um, sharing, right? Just like someone had to make the beer we're having. Someone has to, you know, figure out how to get the food to the location so that I can get it from the supermarket and blah, blah, blah. And so this is really all we really have to do. And I think what happens is as an adult, I think things just get more complicated than they need to be. What do we have? We need two things in life. Aside from basic survival needs, it's about experience and service. That's really all that it comes down to. And I think it doesn't matter what business you are in, whether you're an artist or you're a scientist, you got, you have an experience you're going for and you have a service you offer. And to the degree of the service that you can provide is the degree you'll get paid and to the degree that you can use what you get paid to do whatever you want to do is the means. But other than that, like when we buy a car or we, or we go into a movie, whatever we're doing, we're going for the experience of that. Yeah. And I think what happens is we get just so polluted with our ideas about like really complicated things. Like, I mean, even if you're going for, I want to be famous, you're going for the experience of fame. You're not actually going for famous the way you think you're going for it. Because at the end of the day, like, I mean, someone shared this to me once. I'm, I'm just, I know I'm going off a little, but someone shared this to me once. They said, what if you woke up right this morning and later today, you're going to find out that all your memories and everything that you think you know about what happened in your life was actually just a chip that was put into your head. And we just wanted to see, it's an experiment to see how you'll respond based on these memories and based on this identity that you think you are. And tomorrow you're going to wake back up and we're going to put a different chip in your head and we're going to see what you do. So what if our life is that? Like we wouldn't know, we go to sleep, we shut down, we, we have no register whether this is happening or not happening. So what if we continually wake up and, and, uh, you know, all the things that we think are real, all these, this, this decision of who we are and whatever, and what that means is all just made up. But here's the funny thing is it is, it is all made up, but it might not be that someone's putting a chip in our head. It's that we put the chip in our head and we programmed ourselves that way, which means that we don't have to be programmed that way if we don't like the programming. Mm -hmm. And so further, when you're going about your day, you're just going for an experience and you're offering a service because you, whether you recognize it or not, whether you're, you're giving someone their coffee or you're performing, you know, um, in an Oscar winning film or, you know, a major band, it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, you're doing two things, doing what you, you're doing what you feel is right based on your experience and going after that. And you're getting something out of it because we're all benefiting it from it somehow. And I think, you know, um, people go down roads where they get destructive or whatever. And then, so society is trying to figure out how to deal with them when they do that. But ultimately I think it's just really, really simple. And I think when you make things simple, then you don't have to like get so confused, you know, because I mean, it's really interesting. Like you hear about 
say rock stars, right? And then they have all these women throwing themselves at them. <laughs> but then that's kind of like, now they got that. They, they, that's not what they want anymore. Now they want something else because the experience of it like becomes like, you know, becomes a certain thing. So it's like, maybe they weren't after that. They weren't after that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Anyway. And, and we've also seen the effects of, of people who just continue to try and relive sort of a glory day type of scenario, right? right? And you state you're in, you're stuck and you're, you're stuck in that place. Right. And you never really grow out of it and become, and it ends up becoming a pretty destructive, destructive cycle. Right. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, so uh, true calling, I mean, like, I don't know, I don't know if there's like this God given thing, this purpose, this like ultimate universal, um, journey that we're all supposed to have, or if it's just totally random chaos and it really just, you know, it's a, a series of biological, um, uh, phenomenons that have come together, which have kind of, uh, given us a social circumstance in which we were given the opportunity to experience something young enough that we clung on to that and decided that that's where I want to go with. Right. But I don't know if it's one or the other, and I don't think it really matters. I don't think we need to know the answers to the cosmos and all that stuff to, to know what, you know, our true calling is. But I think what we do need to do is we need to look inside of ourselves and take away all these things, these ego identities, this social pressure. And we need to look inside of ourselves and be without distractions for a moment and try to go like, what, what do I want to direct myself towards? Mm -hmm. And, um, for those that I care about, if I, if you, if you were to care about someone or anyone you do care about, what would I like to give and provide back to them? And I think, um, and those I don't, and those I don't know, you know, and I think that will start to help us get more clear on what we really want to do. And then from there we can start making better decisions. But I think what, what, what happens is we grow up, we get all these pressures from the outside and we, we start to design our life based on what people are doing around us as opposed to what our voice is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, and I mean, especially in, within artistic communities and, and disciplines, uh, you know, like with, with those types of pressures, like even if you have, have support around you, like there is a, there is a kind of a a treatment around it. Like when, when I did decided I wanted to be an actor many, many years ago as a very young, young person, uh, as an adolescent really. And, you know, I had support, but there's always, there's always this, this thing surrounding going into a pursuit like that. Right. And even if you've had people who, who were there for you and said like, yeah, that's, that's great. You know, but it's like, Oh, (laughs) you want to be an artist. Like it's, it's a, it's a marginalized things in our education system. It's a marginalized thing. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not really seen as being very, as being very important, even though, uh, the things that always stand the test of time when we, we look at history, um, the things that stand out to us from, from the, the history of time, you know, in different eras and different, um, generations, different generations, different, you know, it's always, it's always the art. Yeah. You know, and like in the form of, of what was, what was being written, what was the music being made? What was, what were the, what were the 
plays being performed? What were the, you know, paintings being done? Like it was like, these are the things that we really, we hold on to Mm -hmm. from those, from those eras. Um, yet we, we constantly undermine the validity of it. And I suppose it is because yes, like art doesn't necessarily meet our physical survival needs. We don't need art to physically survive, Mm -hmm. but it is essential to, I think, uh, for us to thrive. Yeah, it is. Well, you know, you've heard that saying, I'm sure no man, no woman is an island you know, Mm. and we are social beings. I mean, babies die when they don't get held, you know, they literally will die. And there's an experiment with, uh, with, um, chimpanzees or monkeys or whatever it is, where basically they tested whether, um, the monkey would prefer food or, or essentially, um, connection and the monkey will choose connection to the point where it would starve itself to death because connection is so much more important to us. And I think what art ultimately is, is it's a form of connection. When I was a kid and I, you know, I could occupy myself with my imagination, but, um, you know, I, I would go and I would knock on my friend's door and ask, you know, their parents or whatever, can they come out and play? Because at the end of the day, you know, I think what we really want to do is we don't, we want to connect with each other. I mean, why do we get in romantic relationships where we commit our basically most of our life to marrying someone and saying, I want to spend my life with this person. Why do we do stuff like that? It's, it's ludicrous. I'm going to take a whole nother person with an entirely different life, an entirely different set of values or whatever. Um, who's had totally different experiences than me and make a contract together. We're going to take all of our assets together and we're going to bond and we're going to figure this out together. and We're going to be a team. Why do we do that? Cause we don't want to, we, we, in, in spite of the idea that we are existentially alone, ultimately fine we still want to connect with each other. And I think when it comes down to our calling, we're looking at how to connect. Yeah. And we're looking at that in some way or another. And whether we're connecting over sports or we're connecting over the same, uh, doing acting together, or we're connecting over doing business deals together, it doesn't really matter. We want to have a connection. Why is anyone listening to this podcast? You want to connect, you know, we want to connect to each other. And I think that the thing is, is that we can, our ego is this, this beautiful tool that also hurts us because it says you are different than everybody. Extract yourself, separate yourself, be you, you're special, you're unique, you're better than this person, but you know what? You're not as good as this person, but don't worry. You can't blah, 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 whatever. And so the more it does that, the more extracts us from our connection, right? When we start to see that, Hey, like we're all in this together and like we start to have that connection it's it the more it starts to pull us into just this sort of numb comfort right about everything um which is not where you want to be as an artist like no numb comfort is not not the place you want to be as an artist like as an artist you want you want to be in like whatever whatever it is the experiences that you're having in your life like mm-hmm. and 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 you want to explore that you want to gain new insights and understandings is to the place, even when it's a, it's kind of a dark place. Right. Right. Like it's, that's why I think uh, a sense of fascination about your own life is, is kind of key, you know, a, a sense of curiosity and wonder about 
the things that you're feeling, the mm-hmm. things that you're going through and, and wanting to under to understand uh, at, at some level, uh, what, what's going on, what that's all about. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to comment on something with, with this whole notion of true calling as well. Like you, you touched on something and it was, you know, it's like, what, what is our true calling? You know, how do we really know what that, what that all is? And I, I think that that's something that's, that's an ongoing process, right? Like, I don't know if it's ever just like, bam, that's, that's my true calling and that's it. That's yeah. like, I, I know it and, and, and whatever. It's like, well, you might know it, but you know it for, for that moment. Like, right. you know it for that, for that time. It doesn't make it invalid. In fact, you, that's still the indication of the path to go towards or, or, and to go into. Um, and eventually that, that leads you into something that's a little bit closer to, you say, Oh, you know what? Like, like this has been great and it's shown me something, but you know, there is like, this is not, there's a part of this that that's really not something that, that I want, but what really interests me is this, Mm. right. And now you go down this, this thing. It's like, that's my, that's my calling. And, And until you, until you kind of get into the area of where that is. And it just becomes like a territory again, more so as like, yeah. as like a destination. It's just like, it's, it's a, it's a ground that you walk, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's not just like one thing, you know, it's not just like the mountain, yeah. right? It's, it's the mountain, but it's also the forest and the valley below and the river that runs, that runs through it. Right. Like it's, it's all of these, these things that you, you learn to explore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you're right. I, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think like, you know, and it doesn't matter. I don't think it matters how you lived your life up until this moment. You know, like nothing is like you're in the territory you're in right now. And, and, and that's, that's where you are. I mean, that's, and that's fine. And I think the thing is, is like, it's never, it's never too late to redirect your life. It's not like, I don't think you go off course in life. Like you kind of go off course and you're like, Oh, I've totally, you know, I've totally screwed my life up. I just don't, I don't think it works that way. Yeah. Um, I think, um, you know, we sometimes have to make mistakes and we might misdirect ourselves so that we can see what it is to misdirect ourselves. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I love this saying, I mean, uh, the brighter, the light, the darker, the shadow, you know, and I, I really think that that's true. I mean, the more light you shine onto something, the more you're going to see the contrast of it. And same as, um, you know, uh, when you get yourself into a dark place or you go down a road that maybe didn't necessarily lead you to your light or whatever you want to call it, it, it also shows you another side of things. I mean, um, you start to, you know, you start to have an understanding and I think, uh, you know, all this stuff, it offers us unique dynamics, uh, as people, right? Like, um, uh, you know, if you, if you have some hardship, um, you have a chance to, um, maybe help some other people through some hardship. If you never had that hardship, you might not understand it. You might be a little bit judgmental of it. It might not make sense to you. Right. Um, I think as human beings, like we just got to look, we got to look inside of ourselves more. And I think that, um, 
it doesn't matter if you're an artist, it doesn't matter what you are, but I think it was really helpful as you're an artist, but is to look inside and start to try to find something within us. Like, like out of like, what do I truly desire? And before I make all these rationalizations, why I can't have that, what do I truly want? And then I think, you know, what we're trying to figure out here in this talk, and we'll get into it more, I suppose, but is like, how do I rationalize myself out of doing that? You know, how do I rationalize myself? Like, out of, you know, like I want to quit my job. I hate my job. I'm not, I, I don't, but I'm saying someone's like walking around. I hate my job. I want to quit my job. I don't like doing it. But, but if I quit, then I won't have any money. If I quit, then my partner will leave me. If I quit, blah, 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 quit, then quit, quit. Because you know what? You need to figure out if your partner's not going to stick with you, when you, when you make a life decision that for you is better, they are not your good life partner. They are not right for you. If you're worried about not having money, start reading stories on people who have not had money and figure out how they figured it out. Because you know what? What's the alternative? You're going to live your life doing this job you hate and don't want to do and know it's not right for you. Right. Or you figure, or you figure out how to make the job that you're in enjoyable. Sure. You know, like, like if, if (laughs) like there's, there's all kinds of different ways you can do it. Right. And it's like, because if you're, if, if you're enjoying yourself more doing this job that you used to hate and you're like, well, okay, you know what? I've, I found a way to actually find some value in what I'm doing to see like how this is benefiting me. And now you're actually in a much better space to like actually do other things. Yeah. Like when you're outside of that, like to, to find that way to, to whatever it is that you want to go into. If this is still, because you know, that's, that's a great sign to, to say, it's like, Oh, I hate this job. I hate doing this thing. It's like, okay, well you're supposed to go in some other direction then if, for whatever reason, like it's, it would be ill-advised to leave your job at that moment. Well then you got to find a way, Yeah. right? Like find a way to either enjoy it or find a way to leave it or, you know, like it's, but find a way, Mm -hmm. right? Instead of, you know, like we're, we're not, we're not victims of everything. You know, it's like, we have, we have options. We, we have power in our lives to, to, to create change. Mm-hmm. Um, but we yeah. rationalize that we don't, we I mean, rationalize that we don't yeah. absolutely. We do. And we rationalize ourselves out of making bold and courageous decisions. And, um, you know, I think, uh, sometimes our complaints are just, you know, like, like just excuses to not experience whatever we're doing, you know, the, the way that it's done. I mean, I take the story back to when I was a kid parents say, no, we're going and we're doing this. No, we're going and we're doing this. No, we're going and we're doing this. At that moment in my life, I can say honestly, that at least at that moment in my life, I was making the best of the circumstance based on my values and what I wanted to do out of what, what I was given. And I wasn't in control as where we went, you know, they could pick me up and move me. Um, you know, uh, so I worked with what I had and I would say that you know, we all, no matter where we are in life right now, we have to work with what we have at this moment. And if we are able to change our environment or make a choice that's different, and we think that would be a better environment for what we're trying to do, then I'd say make that change. But like what you were saying, sometimes moving out of that environment is not the answer. Your problems will follow you wherever you go. So make 
that environment better. You know, like if someone's going to leave a job and then they're just going to work another job that they're going to hate, then don't leave the job. That, that's yeah. not the answer. Make this job work or figure out another job that's going to work the way you want to work and then transition into yeah. that. Right. But I mean, uh, if the job you're doing goes against your ethics or your morals or something like maybe you're, uh, you know, you're working for a corrupt, um, boss or something like that, or you're seeing this around, but you're like, well, but I make this amount of money doing it. You know, maybe value, like look at that and go like, do I really want to be a part of this thing? If I don't really believe in it, I don't think it's good. You know, at the same time, like, you know, your experience of something like just because, just because you're not doing the job you're doing, like, I mean, actors all the time is like, I, I'd like to be on set all the time. Okay. Well, you're not on set right now. And even if you were on set, you're probably not going to be on set at least for a few days or a few weeks or whatever, unless you start picking up right now and start making a movie right now. So here's your options. Start making something right now, get on set and make it right now. Call everyone up and in the next 15 minutes, start a set and start doing it. Cause that's what you want yeah. to do right now. And if you're not willing to do that, you're not willing to do what it'll take to make that happen, then start treating your life now like it's the set. Because what do you do differently on set that you don't do here? Because also another big thing, and we haven't really talked about this so much, but it's allowance. Mm. Like, when, like, for example, do you allow yourself to sing and dance and play in certain circumstances, but you don't in others? Why is that? Who gave you that allowance? And then you say, well, people will look at me funny. So, so basically what you're telling me is that everyone else is giving you the allowance, whether they'll look at you a certain way or not. So like when we start realizing that we are the one who gives the allowance, we're both the adult and the child. Once we start owning both roles at the same time, I think that's when we're going to stop telling all this shit about how like, Oh, I can't do this or blah, 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 or whatever. Like you are the parent and the child. You get to tell your child self where to go and where to be. Now, when you're, when you're there, your child self is supposed to take over your child self is supposed to make the most of this. And that's the relationship. And it's a, it's like this dual thing going on inside of us. Yeah. We never grew up and lost the child. What happened was we, we developed another part of our responsibility and our ability, but we decided, well, I'm only one or the other, but we're not, we're both at the same time. Yeah. We decided to value one thing over the other. Yeah. Just and because you're an adult doesn't mean you're no, you, you were a child. You know how to be a child. <laughs> yeah. Know? Like you didn't, like you already practiced that for how many years? Right? Yeah. And then how many, you know, sort of adults have, have you met who, you know, you grow up and they're envious, they're envious of, of children and they're, and they are, are or people stuck who get rem- to do the life they yeah. want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or are constantly reminiscing about, you know, their, their childhood or, you know, like it's, and, and that, that can all serve a great purpose, but I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's still just like a, a denial of, of that, of a part of ourselves mm-hmm. that, um, that is really rich with all kinds of, of juicy things. Yeah. That, and, I, and I think that when we, when we, when we allow ourselves, and I, I think it's allowance, when we allow ourselves access to that childlike self, we start to get access to our calling. We start to get access to what we, you know, what we want to do, what we want to express. Yeah. And we don't all necessarily, I think, want to express the same things. I think some of us, you know, want to do different things than others. And, and, uh, some of us, it might not be called art in our society. Like, 
some people want to explore, you know, some people want to travel the world. Some people want to dance. Some people want to, you know, use their imagination. Some people want to tell stories. Some people want to tell jokes. Yeah. I mean, some, some of us just want to really, uh, find out about romance. I don't know what it is that's in you, but the thing is, is that there's something in you that, that excites you. And you know what? I also think we mentioned this earlier, but at one day that might end, you might not want to be an actor anymore. You might not want to be a painter and that's totally fine. You can stop and you can go do this next thing because I don't think your calling is I'm an actor or I'm a painter or I'm a musician. I think your calling is I'm a human being that has some, something inside me that needs to be expressed period. Yeah. And I don't know what expression form you're going to find that in, but you're going to find one that you like. Yeah. (laughs) And why confine yourself to saying it? Well, I can only be this. No. Right. I mean, I think that that is, that is kind of like an old, an old, um, what's the word that will oh, belief, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, geez, this beer is like, just, just well, smacking me in the face a bit. It is. It's kind um, of like, it's, it's old thought, you know, labeling is old thought. I mean, it's categorization. You know, once you start like, like this person does this job, this person does that job. And, and you, you can only do that. And yeah. it's by only doing that, that makes you like able to do what you do. I mean, it's like, yeah, there's a certain kind of wisdom in like, you know, the specificity in, in, in where you work and what you put yourself into. But there's also, that's not true for everybody. I mean, there's so many fascinating figures that you come across like, like great speakers and writers and whatever. And it's like, and their background is crazy. Like, it's like, Oh, I did some of this. I did some of this and I did some of that. And it's like, and I learned all of this, you know, like people who have learned really incredible things by doing seemingly menial tasks, like, and doing like jobs that seem like you look at them now and you go, I was like, that's so beneath you. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's like, no, it's like, I, I did, you know, I worked, I, I was washing dishes, you know, for a couple of years, you know, and, and I learned all sorts of stuff during this time. And then after that, I moved on to this and I did that and I learned how horrible this was. And it's like, and blah, blah, blah. And, and, but it ultimately, it all leads you to, to what's next, right? It's, it can all, be used as, as constructive experience, as constructive learning, mm-hmm. um, for, for whatever you feel led to, which is what I think is like, again, it's, it's part of this, this true calling. Yeah. Right. It's like, well, it's, it's like, it's a calling. It's like, it's, you know, a calling is just like a, a thing. It's like a, a voice or something that's coming out from somewhere right? Yeah, that's, that's pulling you in a direction. And that's all it is. It's just like you hear something and you start going in that direction. Yeah. That's all it is. It's like, you don't know what you're going to see along the way. You don't necessarily know exactly where that point is, but it's a direction. Mm-hmm. And, and it's about starting to take yourself in that direction and, and start, I think a lot of this, like, part of the, you know, our title is how we rationalize ourselves away from our true calling. Yeah. It's like, I think that the most obvious piece of wisdom that we can maybe extract from this is learn to rationalize yourself in towards your calling. Yeah. Right. Like learn how to rationalize yourself towards doing what you're passionate about. Why does it make sense to do this thing? Yes. 
as opposed to why doesn't it make sense? I mean, yeah, there's going to be reasons why it doesn't make sense. There's going to be plenty of reasons why it doesn't make sense. But again, I think that's, that's part of like the beauty of, of this, this whole extraordinary journey of, of artistry and, and our paths. And I mean, cause earlier we talked about how the, the ego will come up with lots of reasons as, as why you shouldn't, shouldn't do something and, and how that, that can be a sort of a, a great test for us. It can be a thing that, that helps us to move to the next level mm-hmm. by coming up against that sort of adversity that's going on within ourselves. And it's because the ego can work in such a, a very logical way, such a very rational way that discourages us. And I mean, the question to that is like, well, but, but why would you listen to logic that discourages you from your passion? Like what kind of logic is that? Mm -hmm. Right. It's, it's, it's really kind of an insane type of a logic that would discourage you from, from something like that, that would discourage you from doing something that, that gives you a really deep sense of joy. Right. And by learning, by learning how to, despite those things trying to pull you back, learning how to move through them, how to move past them, how to transcend them into the next thing. It's to me, it speaks to something so much deeper in us than just our, our ego, egotistical, rational mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. No, that's a, that's good. I mean, I, I think, I mean, you're talking about some, some heavy, deeper, um, deeper ideas, I think. Um, well, I, that's just how I like to do it, Brandon. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, you know, and I, I think, um, the, I think the thing is, is, you know, we're constantly battling with this idea, but you know, logic is, is interesting because logic part of rationalization, you need logic your way through this stuff, but like, just listen to your logic for a second. Like when you logic yourself through something, I think the thing is, is we got to go like, if I listen to this logic, where will it lead me? Where will it lead me right now? But what if I listen to this logic all the time? If I always listen to this logic and people immediately, your rationalization is go, well, you're not going to listen to it all the time. You're going to just listen to it right now, you know, whatever. Yeah. But just stop for a second and go, what if I listen to this all the time? So, you know, I remember there's a moment with my dad, I'm just going to share a little story. It's funny because I was 16 and uh, I was dating this girl who was in the States and I wanted to go down to see her. And, uh, I was going to basically take a cab ride down to like, like Langley, which is like 45 minutes away from where, where I was and, or so. And I was going to meet up with a friend. He was also dating a girl. I was friends with her. They're both in the States and we we're going to drive down. We had a ride. We had to figure it out. I just had to get over there. Remember my dad and I were talking the night before. This is just funny. It's just a funny moment between us. Right. But we were talking and I'm like, yeah, so this is what I want to do or whatever. And he's like, well, and, and, and he, and he was a little rallied up at this time, but whatever, it doesn't matter. But he's like, basically he was like, I'm going to disown you if you do this. Like it got intense. I was emotional and I'm like, dad, you don't understand me, but this is what I want to do. And he's like, he's like, don't do it, blah, 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 whatever. (laughs) It's fine. We hang up and I go to sleep that night. I'm all stressed out. I'm like, just stressed. Right. I'm like thinking, man, you know, I've worked all this stuff out to go see my girlfriend and whatever. And was very serious about it. And I woke up in the morning, it was 5am, 4 or 5am. I remember thinking, if I do, like I logic it out, I thought, if I do what he tells me to do right now, the rest of my life, that means that I'm doing what he tells me to do. What do I want to do? 
And I said, I want to see my girlfriend. And now I thought, does it matter? Does money, does any of this other shit matter when it's what I really want? And I thought, no, I'm going. So I called the cab and I took the cab and I went and I was down in the States and we were there for a weekend. How much was that cab ride? It's like 40 something bucks at the time. Oh, okay. It wasn't actually that bad. Um, I think what I did was I, I talked them to a deal. I don't know, but I was 16. So 40, 45, 50 bucks, whatever it was, it was a lot at the time. Yeah. I remember just like, you know, doing anything when you're that young is yeah. like, it was kind of always a big hit. But anyway, so, uh, I remember I was down there in the States and we, you know, it was the first or second day or whatever the next day. And I remember my friend saying, like, what are you going to do when you get home? And I remember just going, you know what? I'm going to figure out when I get home. But right now I'm here. And I, I don't know. I had 16. I had that awareness. And of course I came back and my dad was apologized and, you know, whatever and all this stuff. But it was a defining moment in my life because I realized that I was willing to deal with it. I was willing to like, you know, whatever. But, but I realized that I was like, no one is ever going to ever tell me what to do. And that's just final. Like at that point, that morning in, in, of my life, I said, from this point on in my life, nobody is ever going to g- ever give me an ultimatum. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, it, this is my life. This is my choice. And I would say that to anybody, you know, that's calling a bluff. I think that we all need to do that in life and we need to yeah. call the bluff and we need to listen to ourselves. What do you really want? Cause I think the world is walking around thinking what's best for us in all sorts of various forms. And he's not the only one that's given me an ultimatum, you know, but I'll tell you like, what's life, man. I mean, life's short. It's, it's finite. It's over one day. And you do not want to walk to the end of your life and think I did what everyone else wanted me to do. And if that's what you want and that's your calling, fine. But you know what I'll tell you for me it is not Yeah. for me. Like I want to die knowing that I did my life the way that I felt was best. Yeah. And I, I don't know if it was the best way. I don't know if it was the smartest way. I don't know if it's the most logical. I don't know. But you know what? I can tell you, like, if I die today, I can tell you right now, if I die today, that is one thing I'm not going to regret. That is one thing that I'm going to be like, you know what? I lived my life the way that I set out to live it. And you know what? I haven't been perfect. I've made a lot of mistakes, but you know what? I was listening to me and there's a fulfillment in that, you know? And, and there's, there's also like, uh, when things, when things mess up, but you do it because you wanted to, you can at least not blame anyone else. Cause you yeah. know, you made the choice. Right. And, and listening to like, uh, you know, like the, a deep part of yourself, not mm-hmm. like just like listening to right. like, Oh, well, you know, cause there is, I, I, I do feel like there's in, in some ways, I feel like there's two different things that we listen to. We, we listen to like the, like what the ego is calling us to do. And there's like what the true calling is, right. There's two of those things. And it's like the, the closer you are to listening to what you know, the, the true things like the, the real, like deep down stuff that's like, that's really driving you, then that's great. Oftentimes we do listen to the ego's way of wanting to do things. Those are usually the things that come closest to the things we regret. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Typically. Yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, I, you know, I could break that down, but I think like for me that morning when I woke up was recognizing that if I make this decision, it sets the precedent that Anytime he wants to give me an ultimatum, he could give me an ultimatum. And I think that that's interesting because that's like when, cause when you said that, I want to bring that back up. So I'm glad that you, you swung it back around Yeah. because it's like, that's not necessarily true either. Right? Like if you had, if you had 
listened to him and not went, it doesn't mean that you would have had to listen to him for the rest of your life. It was just at that moment, it was like, you know what? No. So I'm not, I'm not invalidating it. No, but you're right. It's, it's interesting because it's like, you know, it, it's, it's, well, you, you ever heard that term slippery slope? It's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, you know, they use it in philosophy. They use it in psychology, they use it in, in you know, whatever, yeah. like social sciences, but basically you give an inch, they take a mile and there's certain things in life you never give an inch on. You don't even entertain the idea of him because you stand behind him so much. And it's annoying to some people because they'll go like, you know, there's just nothing you can throw at me that will move me. I'm immovable in this area. And I think that's where integrity and, 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 you know, and for me, I don't know, like one of the things that I, you know, I've been defiant in certain ways in my life, but one of the things that I, I stand by is that at the end of the day, nobody's telling me what to do. Yeah. At the end of the day, I am making the choice and I'm going to own it, whether it's right or wrong, you know, and it might not be right. It might not be the best choice. It might be the worst choice, but I'm making it and I'm owning that choice. And that's something I stand by. And so if there's ever a choice that I'm not able to live with, then I'm, then I'm not making it. It's just yeah. not happening. I was having a talk with someone about this and you know, there's a saying, they say, everybody can be bought. Just give them a price. I don't agree with that. Cause there's some things when you decide that you will never be bought on, like my cat, if someone offered me, you know what? I, I dare you. Anyone on the other side of the podcast, offer me any amount of money, billions, millions, does not matter. If they said you had to give up your cat for that. And this sounds silly and ridiculous to someone, but absolutely 100%, not even I owed of a fraction of a doubt. I will not take that money. And the reason why is because I love this little guy. And you know what, when I was going through my hardest time in my entire life, you know what, and you can say, well, you bought the cat and you can make up all the rationalizations. This little guy was here with me and we bonded together during a very defining moment in my life where I questioned whether I wanted to live or whatever. And you know what? I thought about it and I thought about it and I thought this little cat is an expression of how important something can be to me. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that my cat is the only important thing to me, but my cat gives me a precedent for the rest of my life that I'm unshakable on something. And that unshakable quality, you know, it's like you, you, you will have to kill me to make the thing happen. Like I will have to not to, I will have to cease to exist before this thing will ever happen. And, and I think that there's that, that's where, that's where, that's where we really lie. I think that's where our, our heart really, you know, comes down to. And I think when someone falls in love with another person where they have a partner, they, our dream in life would be like, I wish I could have a partner that looked at me that way, that, that looked at me and said, no matter what you do, there's nothing you can do that will ever make me ever compromise this person, ever say a negative word about them, ever, ever give them up, you know, ever break my bond with them. There is not a fraction. And so when I look at that, I go, that's who I can be in my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, you know, that's part of, I think where our calling comes into where you become, you know, un like, and I wish I could do that in every area of my life. I wish I, you know, there's, and I, and I, I'm building towards that, but, but I think that's what we are all trying to build towards. And I think if we listen to our voice like that, can you imagine what we could do? Can you imagine what our life would be like? 
I mean, that's an idealistic thing maybe, but I think that we can start to go, you know what? I'm not going to bend on this thing. Idealism is, is a fantastic thing. I think it's a fun, yeah, I think. I, I just, I recently, it was a video that someone had shared on, uh, on Facebook a little while ago and I've, and I hadn't watched it for like a month or something. Finally watched it. And I can't remember. It was a, is a famous, like famous psychologist. And you did this, this talk about basically like, like why we should believe in other people. Mm. And it was, and it was like extraordinary. It was really like, you've got to believe in the greatest thing in them. Right. Because, because then that will actually, by having an idealistic view of this person and what they can do, they'll actually hit what they can be Mm. as opposed to trying to bring people down to like what you might realistically be able to do and then just, and then watch them just completely disintegrate. (laughs) It was really fascinating. If I can remember, I'll post the link for it, but interesting. Yeah, no, but it was really great. It was old. It was like black and white. It was like recorded. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It was really good. Really good. I wish I I could remember. I think we're scared as a, as a society. I mean, I think it's, you know, we're scared to embrace idealism. You know, I, I, I think it's a scary idea to, um, you know, and we never really know, like we we don't want to be disappointed. No, we don't want to be disappointed. But the thing is, is like, you know, uh, I think I, idealism is, is a great, is a great thing to aim for. You know, I I learned when I was, I think it was in college, um, that idealism is never something that you, 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 the moment you hit it, it's no longer ideal. You, you always want to push ideal beyond what's possible to even, Mm -hmm. even possibly capture. And that's the thing about it is that idealism inspires a life of growth. It inspires a, it inspires a endeavor, an endeavor where, you know, um, you shoot for the stars. You don't just shoot mm-hmm. for the moon because it's realistic. You you go out into the cosmos. You go out there to beyond what anyone thinks is possible, and and it's and and that is where you start to find out what you're made of. And I mean, you know, I, I don't know. Idealism maybe is not for everybody. I I I like to hang on to my idealism. I I like it. I I, I totally get that my idealism might not come to fruition but it's not about that. You know, I look yeah. at it as like, uh, you know, and, and we've had many talks about this and we talked about this on the podcast, but it's a direction. Yeah. It really is a direction, not a destination. And I think that's when, you know, you can be idealistic. If you need a destination, there's, it has to be realistic. Yeah. But if you need a, a, a direction in life, which is, I think what a calling is, I, th- I really do mm-hmm. think it is a direction, not a destination. Yeah. I think if you see it as a destination, I don't think that's your calling. I think that's a milestone in your calling. You, you know, you need to look beyond that destination. Like if your goal say as an actor, you want to win an Oscar. Well, that's a destination. What's the, what's the direction? Why? Like, where are you going with that? Yeah. Let's say we could give it to you right now. Let's say, boom, you got it. Okay. Now what do you got to live for? You know, they, they, uh, they said that, uh, most of the guys that landed on the moon, um, s- suffered, um, extreme depression afterwards. And it was because like, now that you've gone to the moon, what could ever beat that? And, and I think that that's the problem with destinations is once you hit them, you, you, that's the ego. The ego wants a destination, but I think the self wants a direction. It wants a, it wants a way to go. 
Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we can recognize when we're off course. We can recognize when we're going in a direction that we don't agree with. And I think that's where we got to stop ourselves, you know, and we got to correct course. And it doesn't matter. I, I don't really think it matters if you've gone off course for a long time. You can always... That might have been important Yeah, for you, can, you to go off course. Exactly. You know, but I think at some point we got to redirect course. And well, I think that's, that's what we want to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting this, just this week, actually, I had, um, like I've been, I, I've been wrestling with some, with some like old beliefs and stuff that, you know, that, that I'd, I've been dealing with for a little while. And, uh, and it threw me into this kind of like this, this weird place. I was, I was doubting, I was questioning, you know, a, a bunch of, a, a bunch of these things that I was, I was starting to, to ponder and contemplate. Right. And, um, and whether the direction that I was going was completely, was completely wrong. And so I started to veer off from that course and I was just being like, you know what, maybe this is, maybe this whole way that I've been looking at this is totally is uh, maybe I'm a fool. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm ridiculous. Maybe I'm being too idealistic. Maybe yeah. this is all a bunch of bullshit what I'm thinking. And so I start to divert from that course into more of an old way that I used to, to believe. And I, it was extraordinary because I had an exchange with with another person, just a stranger. And it doesn't really matter what the, what the context of it was, but it was, it was not, it was not important. Hmm. That's all I can, that's all I need to say. It was like so trivial what the circumstance of this. And I was, I was being civil with this person, but I was just like, I was so fricking livid inside. Like I was just like, I was so angry and it was like, it was like within that like very moment when the exchange was over, it was just like, boom, it was done because I just went, holy shit, this is nuts. This is insane. This, uh, this old pattern, this is the direction that this old pattern of thinking is, is taking me. It's taken me into this like state of rage that I haven't felt especially over such a trivial thing Mm -hmm. in such a long time. Right. And so it was, it became this gift. Like it, it ended because I like, I just had this immediate recognition that it was like, this is a gift. I, I diverted from this path. I was questioning it. And this is, this was the result. Mm. It just showed me how like screwed up this whole course was that I was on. And so it gave me like a, a new sort of resolve and certainty of the direction that I had been going on. I was like, Oh, okay, no, this is a better way to go. Right. Yeah. Like this is more of a good calling. And I think that anything that steers you more towards, uh, a sense of, of love and peace and joy in life and not just for yourself, but towards others, I think it needs to be, it needs to extend out from you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a, that's, that's a good indicator of, of the course to go on. But again, like we can come up with all sorts of rationalizations and so, because that's exactly what had happened to me. Yeah. I was just like, well, I don't know. This seems all a little bit idealistic. And how do you, you know, like, how do you count for something like this and this and this and this, right. And blah, blah, blah. It's like very, very great arguments. Mm -hmm. 
But at the end of it, I mean, it's like what we've been talking about, you put that up against your own sense of like, well, what do you, what do you value? Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, it's like, well, I value being like in peaceful civility with other people more than I value putting on a face of being nice and being just fricking angry mm. over, over nothing. Yeah. Right. Like it's just an obvious choice. Right. But it's incredible. The things that we will rationalize to ourselves about. Well, totally. I mean, you know, we definitely, I mean, there's all sorts of, you know, the other thing is the way we suppress ourselves is the way we're going to suppress others. I mean, because like if, if we're not allowed to do it, then they're not allowed to do it, you know? And that's the, that's the beauty of idealism is idealism. You go, we're allowed. We're giving everyone allowance, you know, go be true to you. And then once you start doing that, I mean, that's just a a model of thinking. You start giving other people allowance. You don't get upset when they're going and doing the thing that they, that they feel is true for them. You know, but when you've restricted yourself your whole life or whatever, especially the more you've done it, I think, I don't know, but you know, it's kind of like you look at a little kid, right? And you say the little kid goes to grab the cookie and they go, no, you can't have a cookie. And the kid goes, oh, okay. You know, you can't have a cookie before dinner. Then another little kid comes along and the other little kid reaches for the cookie and they don't get scolded. So what does the, what does the other kid do? He scolds the kid because he goes, you can't have a cookie because he can't have a cookie. She can't have a cookie. They don't want the other one to have a cookie. You know what I mean? And so this is life, right? Life becomes this whole thing of like, I was restricted. Therefore you're restricted. But what we don't realize is that we restricted ourselves. No one came along and restricted us. And we bought into the idea that we had to restrict ourselves. So just because you bought into the idea doesn't mean I have to. And, and, and vice versa, just because I have doesn't mean you have. Yeah. And artistic expression, I think, is when we take away, we take away these restrictions and we start to say, no, you know what? You don't have to do this thing. You don't have to do this thing and you don't have to not do this thing. You know, you, you get, you know, this opportunity now, like I think, golden rule, whatever. I like my, my friend Megan came up with this, these three rules. She teaches it to her, her kindergarten class or whatever. And I, I love this, but it's, um, don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt others. And don't break my shit. <laughs> basically we follow those three rules in life. I think that's a pretty good way. You know, basically you're free to do anything you want. Don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt others. Don't break anyone else's shit. Do that. You know, break your own shit. Fine if you want to, but don't hurt yourself and don't hurt others, but don't break other shit. You know, if you basically, those are the three things that we don't do in life. Everything else is just fine. Yeah. You know, but we make it too complicated. We make it about, you can't do this and you can't do that. And you know, well, you see what happens. Like we see what happens, like how much more evidence do we need? We, we have seen what happens in our world when we rationalize doing despicable things. Yeah it's still a despicable thing and there's no rationality for it no. whatsoever. It's like, yeah, I guess it like, it only makes sense in like the most cynical of ways. Yeah. You know, and, but it's totally, it doesn't work in idealism. No. I mean, the other thing too is like, I mean, you know, you take these religions and stuff. Most religions say don't kill as a cornerstone of the whole religion. You know, almost all religions. I mean, I, 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 I show me one that doesn't say that that doesn't understand that that's a value that, Hey, if we start killing people, it's a problem. So yet we can have all sorts of rationalizations of why we need to kill people. But you know, it's like, like 
the, the, the rationalization of it is what creates the destruction in the first place. I mean, you know, that's like, like when people make the argument of like, I'm doing it cause they're doing it. You, you're, if you're doing it cause they're doing it, you're just as bad as they are. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if don't, I don't think any of us should, should alter our internal belief, our internal, what we stand for because of what anyone else is doing. You know what I mean? Like just because someone else is doing it does not give us permission to do it. You know, like if everyone else is eating crappy, like you live in an environment, uh, a social circle where everybody's eating crappy food, that doesn't mean that you are now allowed to eat crappy food. You can eat crappy food because you want to eat crappy food, but the whole justification on the external, right? And I think what happens is we get all confused because we start making like, we start making our decisions based on what other people do. And that's, and that's not listening to our calling. Yeah. You know, I don't want to kill anybody. I don't even want to hit anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to, you know? And like, if, if there's a certain point where you could probably push me, I'll probably stand up to someone. I'll probably, you know, I'll probably stand up, but I don't want to hurt anybody. And you know, like, like, I think our, our point of where we're pushed to, like where we have to do something is like often misled. You know what I mean? And, and there's other ways for us to deal with stuff. Now I don't want to get too much off topic, but I'm talking about like our art, right? Just cause everybody else is doing life a certain way. Doesn't mean we have to. And I think that's the struggle of the artist. The artist looks at everyone else and they go, they're working a job. They bought a house. They're making their money. They're doing their thing. They're, you know, they're putting their hours in They're working their nine to five, you know, you don't have to do it because everyone else is doing it. And I'm not saying what everyone else is doing is good or bad. I'm not even making a judgment on it. I'm just saying you don't have to do it because everyone And I think that part of our rationalization away from our calling is we look at what other people are doing and we decide, well, I'll do what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that definitely fits, that definitely fits into part of the rationalizations that we do. I mean, we will, we'll pull them for, from everywhere. At least yeah. the, our egos will pull them for, from, from anywhere it can. Um, just to, just to avoid feeling uncomfortable. Yeah. Like it's, and, and I think usually we're aware, usually we know, like, like at this point now, like we've got YouTube videos, we got podcasts, we got, we got blogs that are written. We got so much information that's coming, you know, and there's, you know, we know better now. And so for our rationalizations, they just don't add up anymore. Like we can't plead, uh, you know, ignorance anymore. Yeah. Now we're aware. And so like, now we have to literally deny our awareness. Yeah. You know, it's, I, I've recently gotten to like a little bit of a, a bit of a Twitter debate. Oh yeah. With somebody, <laughs> which is <laughs> the first us, time. Tell us more. First time that that's, <laughs> that's ever happened. And, um, you know, I, I, I know that not everybody w- will necessarily agree with my point of view necessarily, but you know, it seems pretty, pretty obvious to me. I, I had, I'll try and put sum this up as, as easily as I can. I had basically posted a tweet about, about my opposition to, um, a pipeline being built. Okay. Yeah. Which is basically like a pipeline that would run right through our, our backyard through like beautiful, like, like through parkland, through like old growth forest and, and whatever. And, and, you know, for me in, in my mind, I, I go, it's like, well, 
like, why is this even a conversation? Mm -hmm. Like, this is like, to me, it's like my, and, and this also goes into how, like, we can rationalize just about any kind of belief. Right. And for me, it's like, I, my belief is like, well, like fossil fuel, uh, in, on every level is, is just not a, not a good way to, to go anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, not that I deny the value that fossil fuel has had on, on the world. Like Mm -hmm. it is, it has definitely helped us make a lot of strides Mm -hmm. in, in the world. I just believe that that time is, is done. Yeah. Right. And I'm not trying to make this into a political thing or, or whatever (laughs) to anybody on the other end, but, uh, just to, just to kind of get into some of what was, was being said, but yeah, for me, it's like, well, this is, this is a non-starter. It doesn't make sense on any level. Environmentally, it doesn't make sense. Economically, it doesn't even make sense. Like there's so much that just, that just doesn't make sense about this. And, uh, so, uh, an, an older gentleman voiced his, his disagreement with, with this statement that I had made basically about this pipeline. And, um, I've got like a tail right in my face. You got a cat on your shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> well, by the way, everyone, just a little segue commercial. We have a cat roaming around the studio while we record. And, uh, he likes to get involved a little. He likes and to that's right. He's, like, he's like, why are you blowing up my tail? In. So you got in an argument on Twitter with an older gentleman yes. who disagreed with your point of view. Who disagreed with my point of view. Yeah. Um, with his own set of rationalizations Mm -hmm. as to why this was a good thing for it to, to happen. And it was, it was interesting because it like, it irritated me at first a little bit. I was just like, what, you know, like what, what, (laughs) like, why is somebody disagreeing with me on this, (laughs) on this point? But it was, it was, it was good it was a good thing that this person had, had disagreed with me. Um, because it, it opened up, it opened up a conversation and the conversation has since ended as of a little while ago. I sent a, I sent a response tweet after like six or whatever exchanges. And now it's, he's gone quiet. (laughs) Um, I'm not entirely sure what the point is point was about this. this anecdote. Well, that is, it was so, (laughs) it was like absolutely related to what you had just finished saying. Um, Um, this can happen. Uh, so, well, okay. So you had your point of view and his point of view, uh, you know, and you, you got into a debate about it. Um, I don't know, Evan, I'm really not sure. (laughs) Yeah. Well, a cat did distract you. A cat did distract me, but um, let's just take a moment. I will talk about the beer. <laughs> I love this section of the podcast. Yeah. By the way, everyone, and you know what? I want to say something before you, you, you mentioned the beer, because this is a great segue into that, which is that this is unedited and you're getting the actual way the conversation would unfold. And yeah, you could look at it as a waste of time or you could look at it as an opportunity to just be a part of an actual conversation. And I was watching a video just this morning about this and there, and, and the, it was a Ted talk. And the point was, is that we often hide behind our text messaging and our technology. And what, what we can do now is we can edit the conversation all the time. Yeah. We can, we can think about what we're going to say, but when you're live with someone, you actually have to deal with it. And, um, 
I think that there's an authenticity that you and I are trying to really bring back with this podcast. And we, we started with this as one of our, you know, one of our values, which is that we wanted to give people the raw, real version of it. Not this bullshit edited idea of what, you know, what it, you know, and yeah, and so what, you know, there's a part of it where you can look at it and go, well, just get to the points. I want to hear the points. But I think that life just isn't like that. You know, we're, we're, when we're on our journey, we are, we get, we have to experience the whole thing, you know? And I think that we're so quick to try to get to the points that sometimes we miss the idea that sometimes it's, it's between the points that really matter. Yeah. But we're so focused on getting the result, getting the thing that we miss out on what's happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, it's, yeah. I mean, I, I, come up against that with like the Meisner work yeah. all of the time. Right. It's just like people, you know, with within the exercises, they want to give the right, they want to do the right thing. Sure. Even though at first nobody really knows exactly what the right thing is. All people are just like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to fuck up. Yeah. Like that's like, I just want to do this right. I want to do it clean. Nobody's going to like say anything to me. And then it's one of my great joys in that early stage of doing the work where where it's like somebody makes a quote unquote mistake or like has like a little slip up and something beautiful ends up coming out of it. Yeah. Right. And it's just like, so what was the problem with that? Right. right? Like there was no problem with that. No. And you know, the other thing too is like, um, I like the way that we're doing this because you know, maybe you lose some, you lose some listeners out of the whole situation, but I look at it as I go, you're getting, you're getting real. You're not getting any bullshit. You're not getting any, anybody who's trying to pretend they're better than they actually are. And you know, like we all make mistakes. Yeah. And I love that story you shared on the last podcast about the, you know, as a video about the guy who put, you know, nine times nine or nine times one, nine times two, nine times whatever. Right. Right. And the first one he did nine times one, but he put seven and every other one he answered properly all the way up to like nine times 10. And everyone laughed at the first one but that's kind of how we've been conditioned. We've been conditioned to notice mistakes more than we've been conditioned to notice everything we do. Right. And I think that, you know, part of being an an artist and uh, you know, I just wanted to take this opportunity to look at it and go, I'm not making excuses for anything, but I'm saying like, if you make a mistake wrong in other people, just think about how you do it to yourself. Yeah. Cause you're carrying that with yourself everywhere you go. And now you can't make a mistake. Yeah. You know, I mean, the thing is like the mistakes are, are great. Like even if, if, you know, you got nine out of 10 things, right. I mean, the mistake is still great because it, it shows where we can, we can still find improvement. It's not about perfection, yeah, but it just shows where we can make an improvement and it all, but it also doesn't mean this is, and this is where what often gets missed is like, and, but it still means we acknowledge the nine out of 10 things that were done well, yes. you know, like that we did right, you know, like that's, but we for it's, I think the big thing is that we forget about all the things that were done right. Right. Um, and focus on like the one, the one thing, which like, again, it can teach us something. It can, it can still help us to like improve. Yeah. Um, but don't get discouraged because of, of one, like that's insanity. Yeah. Well, we have to be willing to fail. And I, and I would say just to further your point is that notice the nine things out of 10 that were done right. But sometimes notice the one thing out of 10 that are done right, because sometimes yeah. you're going to fail nine times before you get one thing right. And, and, and I think that if we live in a, if we live a life 
where we believe we have to be perfect. We're excuse my English, but you're fucked. Like you're, you're going to be a living a safe life and you're never going to take a risk. And you know, I think you're going to wake up one day and be like, man, I never took a chance. And what a, what a waste. But if you're living, like I got to get nine or, or nine out of 10, at least right. Or I got to get eight out of 10. You know what? If you can get one out of 10, right. Try that because you know, like a lot of things in life, we're not going to be good at. And sometimes, you know, like dancing, for example, if you're learning how to dance, get one foot, right. You get the other 10 wrong but yet, whatever, you got one down. Pretty soon you're going to get two. Pretty soon you're going to get three. But this is how we learn. We don't, we're not born out of the womb, like knowing how to do all this stuff perfectly. You know, and I I imagine like, you know, down the road, we do more podcasts, whatever. The chances of us making mistakes, probably less and less, like around certain things that we maybe made mistakes before, maybe we make other mistakes. But this is life, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I hope think we that we can make mistakes. Yeah, we we can transcend that lesson, teach that yeah. lesson through our own, you know, our own endeavor, right? Right. So and tell us. By the way, I, be, I believe that um, your English was perfect there. I believe oh. that is well, that is part of the English language. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> <laughs> this beer. This beer. Tell is, us. Yeah. Uh, Strong. From Steamworks. Okay. This is from Steamworks Brewing company. This is our first time with Steamworks. This is our first time with Steamworks. Amazing. Uh, and this is their Empress IPA. So it's, um, I don't know what the alcohol content is, but I do know IPAs are usually a little bit higher on the scale. So we're probably looking anywhere between six and seven. Yeah. I would assume. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's It's tasty. It's tasty. It's definitely an IPA. That's for sure. Yeah, it's good. And a little nice little brown hue and, uh, and I'm, I'm surprised that it took as long to get over to Steamworks because, but I didn't even realize that they did growler fills over there because they've been around for a long time. Yeah. They're a restaurant. They have like this nice waterfront restaurant in, in Vancouver and, um, they've brewed their, they, they've brewed their own beers for a long time, right. um, and served them in the restaurant and, uh, didn't realize that you can just go in and get, they'll do a growler fill for you too. So that's what I did. <laughs> well, that's good. You know, there's a, and you know, I think the, the other thing too is, um, there's a lot of distilleries around in Vancouver, at least, um, where they don't do growler fills, but they have great beers and yeah. we might not ne- necessarily have them on the show unless we were to ever do them at the place just because, yeah. you know, um, or some of them bottle, some of them, bottle. some of them will yeah. bottle. And we might have to do that with some of them to, as well. Yeah. Just like you have to buy a bottle. They won't do a growler fill. That's okay. Yeah. We have like the growler option. That's been nice. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, okay. Well, you know, we've been talking Gavin. Yeah. I actually Glavin. was going to, it, it, it came, came back <laughs> oh, came around back. to me All what right. the point of the story was. And I realized like, well, th- I guess this is, there's still a degree to, to which my story is somewhat subjective and, sure. and in my own beliefs, but whatever, I'm going for it. Uh, the point that I was making was that in my mind, the argument that I was making, the argument that I am making is that like, well, we, we all know this is the case, you know, in this circumstance, I'm like, we all know that this is something that is finite. We all know that this is something that is coming to an end. We all know that this is something that is doing harm. Right. And that there are other solutions to, to this issue. Right. And and so my, my thing was, was that it's like, this is a person who, who is rationalizing something that they know is not really all that great. <laughs> right. 
right? And well, it's like a smoker, you know, it's like anything like, uh, you know, we do all sorts of stuff. Um, and it, and it can cause a certain amount of damage. I guess the question though, is like, like, you know, if it's damaged to yourself, it's one thing. If it's damaged to everybody else, I think we need to start, you know, considering that a little bit. Yeah. So I, I, I hear you. All right. So with that anecdote wrapped up <laughs> in a nice little bow, yeah. shall we, um, <laughs> was sh- it a nice bow? I, I don't know. I don't know. No, <laughs> I don't know if we do anything in nice well, little mean, bows yeah, around yeah. here. I mean, you know what? Like, I mean, not everybody, n- not everybody has to agree with our points of view, but I, like, I do think that we are as a society coming to the point where we're recognizing that, you know, we're becoming aware of things. I think the point in the message is we're becoming aware of things and it takes more work to rationalize ourselves around it. And I think it's one thing when you're ignorant and you didn't know any better, but it's another thing when you're actually aware and you know better to rationalize, rationalize yourself around it because, you know, ultimately you're the only one that loses. I mean, you know, you lose like rationalizations that go against what we know to be best for ourselves you know, we have to deal with the consequence of what we did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think one of the things to, to bring into this whole thing is like, you look at, at, you look at what, whatever the subject matter is and you go, it's like, okay, well, is, is it all, is the rationalization that you're making? Is it, it might not be all that bad, but is it all that good either? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's, I think that's my thing with all of it is like, if, if, if there's not very much good of it, like, you know, it really is that comparison. Like what, what are, what are your drawbacks? Like how, how negative are the, are the potential impacts of, of this rationalization that you're making? Yeah. Um, well, and we have to deal with our effects. I mean, like if you, you know, if you choose not to show up to work, you know, over and over, you're probably going to get fired. And then you're going to have to deal with the effect of that, right? If you choose to smoke over and over and over again, the effect might be that you get cancer. And yeah, you can rationalize yourself around and say, well, other people didn't get cancer. Yeah. But the thing is, is if you get cancer because of the smoking, then you have to deal with that. And, you know, I think the thing is, is that we, we have this way of kind of going, well, you know, fine, I don't really care. But really, if I think if we start connecting, you know, and we start feeling, you know, like what it would be like, we can start to make better choices. You know, you got to feel like what it's like, like, you know, dating, for example, if you constantly eat shitty food and you don't take care of yourself and you don't do anything, you know, for fitness, well, you know, when you get to that when you get out to that scenario and you meet that person that you're interested in and they are not interested in you, well, that was an effect, right? Or if your partner leaves you because they're like not, you know, or whatever, they're not happy with you. They're not turned on by you or whatever that is. That's part of the effect of your choices that you made. And you make that choice many times over, you're going to ultimately have to deal with that. Right. And I think what we're, we're, we're talking about, you're calling is a choice you make over and over and over towards or away from it. Yes. And I think the more you make, you know, this is maybe my wrap up. The more you make choices towards your calling, the more likely that you're going to, I believe, lead a fulfilled life, lead yourself towards where you truly want to be. Yeah. And start listening to that voice, start connecting with that. And maybe it's idealistic, but don't let your damn ego talk you out about not being good enough or, or trying to convince you you need to have a destination. 
All you need is a, is a direction and the ego cannot fight with the direction. Yeah. The ego cannot fight with it, but the ego can fight you on a destination. The ego can say, you'll never win an Oscar. You'll never make any money doing this. You'll never in these destinations. But if you set yourself in a direction that the ego can't fight it, cause it has nothing it, it, like it, it, all it can try to do is convince you to move another way, but you'll know better. You'll know that's not a good direction. Yeah. So that's, that's how I would end this, this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'll, I'll bring it back to, you know, sort of the, the counterpoint almost to, to the title of learn to rationalize yourself towards your, your true, your true calling. Hmm learn, learn how to, because you can, it is, is rash, rationalization is something that, that you can apply based on your beliefs. Yes. Um, and based on, on, on the, the things that you value. Um, so start rationalizing the things that you value, mm-hmm. um, and, and moving towards that because once you start getting in touch with that, once, once your mind starts to giving you rationalizations to move away from it, it's easier to recognize when that's at play. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's it. I'm going to keep it simple. Yeah. I like <laughs> with it. that one. Yeah. I like it. Well, you know, I think this is a topic that we can always venture into again a little bit deeper. Yeah. But, um, it's been good. I mean, it's definitely given me a little bit of clarity and hopefully you and hopefully our audience members too. And as always, it's been fun. It's been fun. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family, or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.